The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, this is Occupy Health with Dr. Susan. So many of our guests have told us how important the gut is and that the gut is the source of all healing. Who would have thought in the past when we go to our doctors and we look at different parts of our body and a specialist dedicated to different parts of our body, who would have thought that our guts had anything to do other than with the GI docs? But apparently it does. It's at the root of all of our diseases, which seems to be a common uh, factor that all of our guests have been saying. So today we're going to delve a little more into the gut. We've got a gut expert here. We've got Christine Roche. Uh, she's a board-certified nutritional specialist with, and a digestive health expert. She developed an integrative approach to digestive health based on 25 years' experience in the healthcare field. She developed and taught courses at the Stanford University Medical Center and Heart Disease Prevention Program staff. She's the author of Light Living, an Integrated Approach to Health and Weight, with a companion audio CD program. She has a private practice in health counseling using biofeedback, heart math, heart math, functional medicine, and customized nutritional counseling. Welcome, Christine. It's a such Thank a pleasure you, to have you. So you're going to inform all of us about the gut and why what we've been growing up with it just doesn't seem to be the right approach. So tell us about your background and how you arrived at what you're doing now. Well, I started at Stanford, Susan, in the 1980s after I graduated, and I was doing research in the medical school and working in, in cardiovascular surgery and finding out that, you know, what was happening is, first of all, that most people were, were dissatisfied with just treating the symptoms of their gut issues. So, you know, um, they were given a drug, and eventually what happened is that they felt like the symptoms, just it just did not work. The symptoms came back. They were not satisfied. And so no one was looking at what they need to be eating and what was happening with their lifestyle. So we saw in our studies one patient after the other going from surgery to surgery and spending a whole lot of healthcare dollar and coming back and saying, you know, no one ever addressed what I needed to eat or how I needed to live. So I decided instead of going down the physician path, I was going to go into community health education and also into nutrition to help people understand what the underlying root issues were of the gut and digestive issues. 
We're also doing functional medicine. Can you tell us what functional medicine is? Functional medicine um, is is a field that has now been in this country for about 25 years, and functional medicine identifies the root issues. Picture a tree, and when you see that tree, standard medicine, you know, the physician takes a ladder and goes to one of the leaves on the tree, so if there's an imbalance or a diagnosis, you know, they squirt a drug at one of the leaves or several leaves, when it could happen, actually, that there's termites in, in the ground under the roots. Functional medicine identifies and assesses how your body is functioning um, at every level of health before a major medical diagnosis or crisis happens, ideally. Or if you have diagnosis, functional medicine can help you identify what you need to do. So it's looking at the root cause uh, you yeah. know, what's underlying all the symptoms. I also understand that you can tell 20 years ahead of time which direction your body's going, if it's going in a good direction or if it's going in a bad direction through the organic acids test, and then you can find out what you need to do to get it to go on a proper path. Is that correct? Yes, exactly. That's right. So how does this differ from traditional health care, although I believe you've already answered that? Um, well, you know, Traditional healthcare and functional medicine need to work as a team. It's really complement, they're complementary, um, hand in hand, because when a per- person has a bone break or, you know, has a, a, an infection, modern medicine has excelled at emergencies, you know, serious issues that need surgery, um, very serious problems that need hospitalization. But when you're looking at lifestyle-related disorders, which is, you know, 90% of our healthcare dollars being spent on, you know, diabetes, heart disease, all of those is where functional medicine shines. Okay. Well, so many people have pointed to the gut as being so important in our health. So why is the gut health so important in our health? Well, you know, the, the gut is actually, Hippocrates said all disease begins in the gut. And the gut actually is, when you, when you lay out just a large intestine by itself, it's like the size of a football field. You know, it's just, it's something that we have in our gut so many billions and billions of different species of bacteria. And these bacteria regulate inflammation and our immune system. So 80% of our neurotransmitters are actually made in the gut. And um, most of our immune system is also in the gut, 75% of it. Okay. So, um, but also, uh, it's connected with the brain. So, is there a connection between the brain and the gut? You know, the research has shown that all patients with brain symptoms like depression, anxiety, poor memory, inability to focus, also have, have gut symptoms like constipation, bloating, so that, you know, a lot of people that go to psychiatrists are labeled to have IBS, irritable bowel syndrome, when it turns out that it really has to do with all of their Symptoms in the brain have to do with inflammation that's traveling from the gut to the brain. They did a study on 1,600 patients with GI disorders and found that 90% of them had anxiety related to the overgrowth of H. pylori, ulcerative colitis, and different types of inflammation in the gut. And with autism, it's about 75 to 80% of kids with autism or adults 
actually have um, gut abnormalities. So the studies clearly show that my, migraines, you know, fibromyalgia, depression, all the anxiety, mental disorders come from, from the uh, inflammation in the gut and the whole body inflammation. So are you saying rather than there being association at the gut and the brain are inflamed at the same time, that's bidirectional causal, like the inflammation in the gut will cause inflammation in the brain and vice versa? Yes, that's right. Yeah, leaky gut, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and leaky brain, it's all related. The root cause of it is that bacterial imbalance in the, in the gut, many other issues in the gut, and so it is a two-way signaling, absolutely. So you're saying that the gut issues, uh, the bacteria in the gut, can lead to some of these problems that we associate with the brain, such as uh, attention deficit, autism, depression, and anxiety? Yes. And how does that work? Well, how that works is that all, you know, what happens is when people start to clear up the overgrowth of the bad bacteria and the inflammation in the gut and start to eat differently, then all of a sudden their autism and ADD goes away. I was, I was working with a physician with a 10-year-old child who's never been able to speak properly, and when she cleared out her gut and started eating right and reduced her stress, her speech returned. And I've had some kids with autism that improved their behavior by, you know, almost completely normal now by removing gluten from the diet. Wow. So um, do the bacteria in the gut cause, uh, affect the neurotransmitters in the brain? Yes, very much so. Yeah. But if you've got a bad bacterial overgrowth, you're, you're not, not going to be able to make the neurotransmitters that you need. So which neurotransmitters does it affect? Well, it affects all of the neurotransmitters depending on, you know, what's going on with the bacteria in, t- in terms of that. So what, what I found is that certain types of pr- bacteria is related to certain types of neurotransmitters, but generally GABA, dopamine, you know, all of those different serotonin and epinephrine and norepinephrine is related directly to the gut bacteria. So how does food affect the neurotransmitters? In a major way, Susan, because what happens is that when you start to eat the foods that really nourish your body and stop that inflammation in the gut, then the body can once again recover its ability to make the neurotransmitters, depending on what the gut bacteria is. So the food alone is not going to do it. You have to work with the gut bacteria. Okay, so it sounds like we've got good bacteria and bad bacteria. But superimposed on this is the issue of a leaky gut. So there's two different issues in the gut we've got to look at, at least two. So what is a leaky gut? Well, before we go into that, may I say a little bit about the vagus nerve? Is that okay? Because it relates to leaky gut. Um, The vagus nerve reads the gut microbiome, and the work that I'm pioneering is to modulate that inflammation of the leaky gut, which affects the mood and all the neurotransmitters, by increasing the low vagal tone to higher vagal tone. So, for example, low vagal tone is associated with cardiovascular conditions, depression, diabetes, chronic fatigue, cognitive impairment, uh, rheumatoid arthritis, autoimmune. And what's been so exciting in this last year is that the vagus nerve stimulation reduces metabolic inflammation. So I've had people with really debilitating issues 
that we've been reading that gut microbiome and the vagus nerve initiates a response to modulate that inflammation depending on whether it detects pathogenic or non-pathogenic organisms. So I've been pioneering the work of actually teaching people how to activate the, the parasympathetic nervous system with and, and cause higher vagal tone and that will then directly answer your question around how it, you know, how it works with the neurotransmitters. That's interesting. So you say the vagus nerve, that's connected with the parasympathetic uh, yes, system, isn't that's it? that's right. And, it, so, yeah, and it's measured by tracking your heart rate with your breathing, breathing rate. So I used a, you know, a biofeedback technology in my office, heart rate variability, the track, and your heart rate speeds up a little when you breathe in and it slows down when you breathe out. So the bigger difference between your inhalation heart rate and your exhalation is the, the higher your vagal tone. And high vagal tone means the functioning of your gut and your whole body, your brain, all the neurotransmitters will be improved, including your mood. And so I've pioneered a system where we can measure vagal tone with heart rate variability and actually change the autoimmune triggers, the autoinflammatory triggers. Well, for the audience, let me explain, let uh, sidebar a little bit. There's two basic nervous systems of sympathetic, which is what's really activated when we're in flight or fight. Uh, that if the bear's coming at us, we've got to have blood rushing to the muscles, the heart's got to go, our breathe, breathing's got to go, and we're not relaxed. The parasympathetic system is what operates like after we eat a Thanksgiving meal. We're relaxed, our digestion's flowing, and we're more relaxed. So these are kind of go, go inversely. So vagal tone sounds like we're increasing our parasympathetic system, which is connected with digestion. So, mm-hmm. okay. And through heart rate variability, when you look at the difference in the heart rate when inspiration and expiration, you can assess how high our parasympathetic uh, response is at that time. Yes. As a matter of fact, I want to just tell the listeners that if you do slow rhythmic diaphragmatic breathing, breathing from your belly rather than the shallow breathing, and you hum or you sing, you can then, especially repeating the sound OM, you can actually increase that vagal tone through regular practice. And, and meditation it's also ha- sounds like too. Yeah. Medi- okay. Meditation, exactly. Loving kindness meditation and washing your face with cold water will also do it. And it's going to make a major difference in your gut microbiome. Okay. So are there other ways to measure vagal tone? You know, right now, the work that I've been pioneering, the other way would be by heart rate. It's mostly by heart rate variability is how I've been doing it in different ways. The higher the HRV, the greater your resilience is, and, you know, and the lower it is, the more you need to work on the vagal tone. So that's really the main one that I've been pioneering and researching. Okay. So basically, the vagal nerve activates the parasympathetic system, which is yes. the one that helps us relax. And we yes. can increase vagal tone by meditation, relaxation, singing, humming, etc. Yes. And, and how does this um, work on the vagal nerve affect the gut microbiome? Well, what's been happening is that as people increase their vagal tone, the good bacteria start to grow, and they keep growing, and they stay in place as opposed to being killed off by the different aspects in the body. So the high vagal tone 
makes the gut completely different in terms of how it can digest, absorb the nutrients, and promote the dispersion of the good bacteria. Is that all we need to do to keep our bacteria good? No. Oh, no, that's only one of the things that really helps. What's important to know is that we've got 100 trillion microorganisms, 10 times the number of cells in the human body in our gut. Um, and it coexists with both pathogenics and non-pathogenic bacteria. So what's really important to know is, you know, our gut flora is our friend. It helps us digest food, protects us against pathogens, helps us to absorb your vitamins, minerals, and to make anti-tumor and anti-inflammatory factors. So, So when there is an issue with the bacteria, which often happens when you take prescription drugs or even any over-the-counter drugs. So what will kill off the gut flora um, could be even taking Advil a couple of times a week will already alter the flora. Um, Stress really uh, significantly shifts the gut flora. And, of course, antibiotic use, you know, a lot of the prescription drug use and Even colonoscopies wipe out all of the beneficial flora, and they then have to be recolonized. And if we don't have enough beneficial flora, that's when the bad bacteria can proliferate. So is it the prep for the colonoscopy that eliminates the bacteria or the procedure itself? It's the prep and the procedure, but mostly the prep with the ingredients in the prep. It just wipes everything out, all the beneficial flora. And that's why the people in Europe, that where I was living in Europe for so many years, Susan, actually did a, an implant of the good bacteria after colonoscopy because they knew that a person would be left with a barren terrain where all this bad stuff could grow without any defense. Okay. Well, let's get back to uh, the good bacteria and bad bacteria because that sounds like a key issue. But also another issue is the leaky gut. So what, what, what is that? So what leaky gut is, is when you have substances uh, like gluten, for example, that irritate the lining we have in our, in our gut, we have very many junctions in the gut that actually relate to the uh, tight junctions, you know, that are in the large intestine, and what happens is that what leaky gut is, is that um, the tight junctions start to get weakened by different factors that I'm going to be talking about, and they start to become permeable. So if you can imagine a membrane that's normally held in place by a sheath that keeps it together so it's not permeable, becoming permeable, so now bacteria, viruses, and other substances can cross that barrier in the gut and go into the bloodstream, causing antigenic reactions. That's why most people with autoimmune, we find, have that gut permeability and le- what's called leaky gut. Yeah, as I understand it, uh, that you know, when we've got this leaky gut, th- things that don't belong in the blood system get out there. And as you say, there's an antigenic reaction, meaning the body sees this foreign thing. What's this doing here? Mounts a defense. We've got to get this thing out of here. Mounts a lot of antibodies against it. And then some of these uh, antibodies will also react to parts of our body and go after things like our thyroid, etc. So uh, according to previous speakers, a leaky gut or any food that's not completely digested can uh, trigger the leaky gut and just start a whole autoimmune cascade. So is that what you've seen? 
Yes, absolutely. You know, there's also something now called the gut affecting the skin. So the most recent research shows that, you know, from the from the gut, the skin, like acne, rosacea, eczema, and psoriasis is all linked with leaky gut as well. As, so it's the skin, the brain, depression, anxiety, ADD, ADHD, the sinuses, frequent colds, food sensitivities, the joints, rheumatoid arthritis, fibromyalgia, headaches, constipation, diarrhea, adrenal fatigue. So leaky gut really affects every organ of the body. Okay. So you were saying before that bad bacteria in the brain and the gut can lead to ADD, but also attention deficit disorder, but also sounds like leaky gut will lead to depression and attention deficit. So both of these things contribute to these disorders? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so what what kind of things cause leaky gut? Um, we need to look at what what happens when you eat gluten. Um, you know, when you many people have recently um, have been talking about the effect of um, that our modern industrialized pesticides and toxins have done on the on the gluten because we really what we've done is you know, cut down the, the, the wheat. The wheat has become almost a poisonous substance to the population. We cut it down and we spray it. Um, the agricultural practice is sprayed with so much glyphosate, which is called Roundup, that it can no longer grow to its full height, and it's really hybridized. And when, you, when people ingest that, we're not made to ingest these, these toxic pesticides or the, the Roundup. They've shown that when you eat gluten, there's damage to the intestinal lining, even in people who are not sensitive or who are not celiac. Because most of my clients always say, well, is it okay for me to have a small amount if I didn't test that I have a gluten issue? And the answer is absolutely not, not in 2017. There has been an increase in the pesticides exposure on all of the grain, and it really destroys not only the gut, it destroys the brain, it destroys the crops, and it's a very serious health hazard. Yeah, Tom O'Brien, who spoke previously, was saying that we just do also do not have the enzymes to completely uh, get gluten digested, so we've got these clumps of food that kind of leaks through our leaky gut, and that, you know, it's very much of a hot spot to start any autoimmune disease. Yes. Okay. Um, also, let's see. Also, what about the animals that are eating the grains? So, so if we eat a grain-fed animals, won't it cause the same problems with our gut? You know, it depends on that, on what type of grain. It, it, animals are, are fed different things, but I think in general... Um, the, you know, the, in the indirect exposure like that, you know, it's just recommended that people eat grass-fed meat because, again, if they don't, there's such a high exposure to toxins and, and the, what the animals are fed with the hormones and antibiotics that it could also affect the gut and the brain and cause a lot of brain and autoimmune issues, skin and gut issues. Yeah, I believe Dr. Campbell in the past said that we get 80% of our pesticides from eating meat. So um, those pesticides are causing a lot of problems. Yes. And glyphosate is causing problems as well. So what are the special problems caused by glyphosate? 
Well, glyphosate is very, you know, it's unique in itself now because what they found is I recently went to a medical conference. They were actually talking about how glyphosate affects the microbiome to the point where they were, they were actually seeing that autism is highly correlated. The researcher is Stephanie Senaf, who's researched over 170 scholarly peer-reviewed articles in at, at today's rate, by 2025, she says one in two children will be autistic. And rats fed a lifelong diet of the ones that are the GMO corn and the grains suffered tumors and multiple organ damage and, and cancer um, involving rats fed by the GMO um, grains. And the side effects of the glyphosates are very, very serious toxicity, um, people's, you know, different seizures, mitochondrial disorders, and also what's going on now that's different, Susan, is that the toxins have exponentially increased. I mean, what's happened is if you look at a graph between even 1950 and now, um, MS and Crohn's disease and type 1 diabetes and asthma have literally increased you know, for, it's just immune disorders have gone up 400 to 4,000%. I mean, it's like a, a total steep curve compared to what it was in 1950. And the reason is, is the um, too many antibiotics given too young. It shows, you know, young children given antibiotics at a, before a certain age all develop leaky gut, and then they also causes a lot of brain issues, and obesity is caused by the antibiotics in early childhood, and then all the sugar, the processed food that we didn't have as much of in the past, the increase tenfold in all the toxins every year is now leading to very serious problems um, with this epidemic um, of autism and autoimmune disease. It's more severe than it's ever been. Also, glyphosate Roundup destroys what's called the shikimate pathway, um, which is the pathway that makes out dopamine, serotonin, tyrosine, um, epinephrine. So, so the gut bacteria is destroyed by glyphosate. That's the latest yes. research. Yes. Uh, yeah. Stephanie Seneff was my college roommate, and she's been on the show. Uh-huh. And to clarify for the listener, a glyphosate, also called Roundup, is what they use for genetically modified products. And the uh, pesticides that's going to replace uh, the Roundup are even going to be much worse. And also, Dr. Campbell was saying that the uh, glyphosate stops the detox ability of the body, so we can't detox all the nasty things we're coming across. Well, we're coming to a break, so uh, we'll be back right after the break to learn more from Christine. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey. Breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. Much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso. To bust through the myths about feeding your baby, Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Do you find yourself caring for people in multiple generations? Are you exhausted, stressed, and overwhelmed? Instead of spending hours searching for resources and information, Dr. Merrill and her guests will provide you with practical, everyday information and solutions to help make your life easier. Tune into Caught Between Generations, Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Addiction can affect our relationships, our families, our home, and work lives, but most importantly, ourselves. The recovery process can do wonders in the lives of people suffering from active addiction and also for those that love them. It's not just 12-step programs, but so much more. It's learning how to live life on life's terms. If you can relate to these issues or love someone who does, start with yourself. Start by tuning in to Miracles in Recovery with host Ray Lynch, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Hope is in your corner. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. We'd love to hear from you about today's show. Send your email to Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. That's Dr. Susan at OccupyHealth.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan talking to Christine, who's an expert in gut health. So she, one of the tools she uses, in addition to biofeedback and heart rate variability, which we discussed in the previous session, uh, is functional gut testing. So what is that? The functional gut test is, shows you a complete picture of how every aspect of your body and your gut is functioning. For example, it will look at all the bacteriology. It will, it will show you a rating on all the beneficial flora, exactly what number you are out of a scale of one to four. It will show you the imbalanced flora, and it will show you the bad gut bacteria, the dysbiotic flora. So complete bacteriology. It shows you how you manufacture your vitamins, ferment your fibers, digest your food, uh, whether or not you have yeast as a yeast culture and a microscopic yeast. If you have parasites, yes, you know, and exactly what type of parasites and what to take for them. Um, if you have Giardia cryptosporidium or some kind of terrible protozoa, it will show that. Um, and it will also, what's so great about this, test that I'm mentioning is that it will actually show if you have the right enzymes to have your pancreas function, pancreatic sufficiency 
and digest your fats and your vegetables and your carbs. So complete digestion absorption, complete inflammation markers like lactoferrin, lysozyme, calprotectin. So it will show you years before colon cancer, any horrible disease would happen. This test will show, you know, up to 10 years before, but year by year, the increment of how much inflammation is in your large intestine. Um, your immunology, your secretary IgA, which is measured in every clinic in Europe and in every country where uh, there's a concern, you know, by government that the healthcare costs be gone down because if your CIGA is either too high or too low, it shows the immune system and the upregulated or downregulated immune response, shows your short-chain fatty acids, if you have enough butyrate, which is the key short-chain fatty acid for colon cancer protection, and finally your red blood cells, your, your gut pH, and your cold blood. So in this culture, in standard medicine, all we do is to look at the occult blood, which if it's already present in the stool, it means that you already have very advanced disease. So colonoscopies measure, you know, look for polyps. They do try to protect you with that, but there's a lot of mixed research on that, too, about whether or not some colonoscopies actually, according to Dr. Tell-Oyan, miss a lot of the cancers, but these tests here, these functional gut tests, do not miss anything in terms of showing you how everything in your gut is working, including prevention of colon cancer, in your, you know, IBS, IBD, and all kinds of systemic disorders. IBS is irritable bowel syndrome, yes. and IBD is ir- irritable bowel disease. Also, you mentioned bowel disease. That's it. So, SIG A, yeah. uh, S I G A, that's a measure of how if our immunity system is strong or weak. Is that correct? Well, actually, this is the most important one. Um, Secretary IGA is secreted by the mucosal tissue and represents the first line of defense of the GI mucosa. And it's central to the normal functioning of the GI tract as an immune barrier. So most of my clients have elevated levels of CIGA, which have to do with their gut is already having an antigenic reaction, like somebody with Hashimoto's thyroiditis or autoimmune would, instead of a CIGA of 75 or 100, would have a CIGA of 300, which tells us that the body's reacting to, you know, bacteria, mold, parasites, to certain kinds of food. So upregulated is not good, and most patients that we saw and see in the clinic have downregulated CIGA, which means it's under 40, and that means you don't have enough in the gut to fight off any bad bacteria or sitting duck for overgrowth or bacterial issues in the gut, including infections. And a low CIGA also means that you can't uh, mount an immunity response? Yes. Mm-hmm. So then if you measure antibodies toward any particular food, such as uh, any food you eat, uh, if you've got a very low CIGA, then these tests won't be valid because you won't see the antibodies? Well, what will happen, it, it can happen. It depends. You know, generally speaking, if we see a really low CIGA, we try to give the patient what's needed to bring it at least to 50 to 75. I mean, the goal is, you know, not below 50 and no higher than about 100 for the CIGA in terms of the immunology. Okay. So does this test for cancer as well? You know, this testing. test. 
It does have the occult blood test that is used by standard medicine to measure whether or not colon cancer is present. So it includes that in the test. And I want to say those listeners that are listening from outside of the United States, there is a test from Germany that I do that has to do with measuring all the enzymes that get elevated when you have colon cancer. So if somebody, for example, takes the test I do in the United States and they have, they show they're moving towards colon cancer, then we send their poop to Germany and we work with Germany to identify exactly what level is going on and what they can do to reverse the stages, which is usually quite effective if you catch it. That's why the patient in our clinic do that test every year, no matter what. The healthiest people we've have have been the ones that thought they were doing great, have found overgrowth of really bad bacteria, you know, issues that might have shown up five years later. So we recommend, everyone recommends this test to be done once a year. And if there are issues, yes, it shows the colon cancer, whether or not it's already there, but whether or not a person would then, of course, do a colonoscopy to see where it's, what's located. But it will also show you what you need to do to prevent anything from growing that would be, that would really throw your health off. And, and yes, I work with the German stool test. So if people from Europe are listening, at the end I'm going to give you the phone number to call and the email so that you can actually get that test that you can do in Europe because in the United States, those listeners will go on a certain page on my website and then the Europeans I'll be telling you what to do if you want to access those tests, you know, from Germany. And what's the name of the test in Germany? M2PK, capital M, the number 2, P like Peter, K like Kellogg. Okay. So, and how can we test for leaky gut? I do a, a great test for leaky gut. So it's actually both a blood and a urine test, and it's something that I can ship to people. So anyone in the United States can test for leaky gut and then, you know, work with the program on how to reverse that and how to heal that. So, yes, I have both the blood and urine tests that are being done to show exactly the amount of gut permeability that is present. Okay. Now, um, you mentioned that you want to raise this SIGA level. So what is your approach to raising the SIGA level, and what is your gut protocol in general, or you know, how yes. does that work? So for to raise SIGA levels, I use a bacteria called Saccharomyces boulardii, or capital S, capital B, And it's a very good gut-friendly bacteria that restores the immune system, helps restore that mucosal tissue that might have been damaged even, you know, by a lot of drugs or antibiotics or stress. And then I also use um, whey protein powder for those people that do not have a dairy issue. Um, you know, grass-fed, obviously, the whey that doesn't have any, is made from cows from, that has no RBH or any of these hormones, you know, totally clean grass whey protein does wonders in, in with the Saccharomyces boulardii bacteria. And then I also use a small amount of L-glutamine to help rebuild the lining of the gut and raise that secretory IgA. So, and what, what about just uh, having bad bacteria in general? I come in and if my you bacteria have bad is mucked bacteria, up. What would you do? What, what I would do is, you know, number one, folks, I want to tell you all that if you have bad bacteria, it loves to feed on, on sugar and on grains. So all the sugars, you know, sodas, processed food, including fruit, white flour, white sugar products, the bacteria feeds off of and multiplies and becomes more and more dysbiotic and bad. And also if you're eating lectins, 
like, you know, any of the the things that have to do with grains, you know, that have gluten in them. Um, I also have found that when people eat certain kinds of, you know, when they, certain types of things, like if they, you know, do alcohol or soy sauce, if soy sauce is not gluten-free, I put everyone on a certified organic uh, elimination diet when they have bad bacteria because my studies show over 20 years we've got all these post-tests. When I test somebody with the GI test, I always retest six months later. So in full color, you get a a 12-page report in full color plus many pages, and it even shows you what this bacteria reacts to. So let's say you have Klebsiella pneumoniae, which is a very common dysbiotic flora. If it's at a 4+, we do independent assays for bacterial susceptibility. So you'll actually get a list of natural antibacterials that your particular dysbiotic flora will react to. So then those uh, particular products like grapefruit seed extract or berberine or caprylic acid will show up on your test. It'll show you exactly what you need to do. And so I give people the natural antimicrobial, rebuild the gut with L-glutamine, with the right kinds of prebiotics and and soil-based. I also have found recently some great soil-based forbiotic flora that's sort of like the foundation. So, you know, I feel like the Soil-based probiotics have to be there, and people can get the information that they want for that because it comes in many different forms. But you need to have some kind of, you know, oftentimes people need to, to eat some kind of fermented foods like our ancestor did and do the soil-based probiotics to really have that root because when we retest in six months, we want the roots to take hold of the good bacteria. But if you're eating processed food and, you know, gluten, dairy, I take everyone off of that. I pretty much have people eat certified organic only, and I have them eat the kinds of meats or, you know, products that agree with their body, and that has made all the difference in helping them normalize the gut flora. So you've got you have people on a healthy diet, which means gluten free, dairy free, uh, minimize no processed food, minimize sugar, and it's individualized to see what bacteria is in the gut and what they respond to. So, and with all of this, can we reverse gut problems and go toward optimal health? Yes, um, I can give you some examples. As a matter of fact, I have, you know, one of the cases I have is a woman, let's call her Alice, who had chronic flare-ups of inflammation in the gut, and she had a Krebsiella pneumonia at a 4+, and she had joint pain already because each bacteria can cause a different inflammatory disorder. So, for example, she happened to have, you know, joint pain, and she had constant flare-ups of her ulcerative colitis. And I worked with her with the protocol of, you know, when she had these issues first, she also had very high inflammation in many white cells. Lactoferrin was, should be seven. It was 218. Lysozyme should be 600. It was like 900. And really bad bacteria. And I put her on the elimination diet short term, but with the right supplement, we did the L-glutamine one gram two to three times a day, a tablespoon of fish oil twice a day. She removed all gluten, white flour, white sugar, which she was eating every day, used the soil-based probiotics, fermented foods, aloe vera. She added brown rice and white beans, but mostly, you know, the organic veggies. In three months, she was off of prednisone and off of all the drugs. No more bleeding episodes, no more cramping. And we've got a whole group of patients 
that it's at the Digestive Health Center with like, you know, person after person with colitis, really severe um, constipation, diarrhea that flare-ups every day. Within a couple of months, within six months, the test already showed she was off of all meds and her rating showed she had killed off the bad bugs and she was now had a much more balanced bacterial flora. Impressive. So what's the importance of stool transit time? You know, that's one of the keys, actually, in getting out, you know, having the body be able to get rid of toxins. This is really a key. I'm so glad you asked that question, Susan, because the tra- what you can do, what I love to do with people is in terms of the transit time is to have them either use charcoal tablets um, activated charcoal, and, and then look and see when they first see black in the stool, or they use beets to see how fast it, it, um, that shows up. And um, it really makes it a big difference because if you have um, a lot of people, you know, with diarrhea have too fast of a transit time, as you know, and then people who are constipated have too slow of a transit time. So basically what we look for is, you know, generally speaking, we want them to have, you know, to see this within 12 hours, you know, some, some people a little bit longer, but... Um, what happens is that the optimal transit time is 12 to 24 hours. A transit less than 12 hours, um, food travels out, you know, too quickly through the digestive system. And this, pre- this can cause malabsorption. You're not absorbing properly. But if you uh, move it, if it's greater than two hours before you see the beet or the charcoal, then it means you're absorbing your toxins. You're, you're moving things out too slowly. You may, you may reabsorb certain things that aren't good for you. Um, and then increase your inflammation of the colon because you're reabsorbing, you know, different things back into the bloodstream. So I think this is very important for people to use um, something to measure to see whether they have an optimal transit time of 12 to 24 hours. So a slow, a fast transit time, we don't have enough time to absorb the nutrients that we need, and a slow transit time things kind of turn putrid and you get all this mess and that'll probably lead to dis- uh, to leaky gut as well. Yes, that's right. Okay, so what about an annual stool test? Yes, this is the key. You know, we're so used to, as I said, at the doctor's office, you get a little, you know, a little swab of the stool and all they measure in standard medicine, all they measure is one element instead of the different elements that I mentioned to the 10 pages of elements we talked about. So the stool test is a one- or three-day collection. It's a comprehensive stool analysis for people living in the United States. In Europe, they can contact me, and I'll give that at the end, how to do that. But what the, the actual stool test is critical for identifying the bacteria, good or bad, the um, yeast overgrowth, the microscopic yeast, the parasites, the digestion, inflammation, CIGA, like we said, short-chain acids, whereas the regular test, you know, if, if, if you show by the time the colonoscopy shows that there's a problem, you already have a serious issue, a serious disease, and you're spending a lot of money on that as well as by the time the occult blood is, is the test your doctor gives you. This is a functional test. Even if you're very healthy, you will see 
most 80% of people who take it who say I have no symptoms actually are starting to develop some kind of imbalance or overgrowth of certain kinds of bacteria or limited gut immunity, and then you can do something about it and retest six months later, and you'll see it all in living 3D color of what's going on with your gut. It's very exciting, and all of the this is very evidence-based to see that when you do that, you can really reverse these issues that come along before they become a serious illness, especially for people who might have a history of autoimmune disease in their family or some other kind of degenerative disease or, you know, Alzheimer's degenerative brain disease. This is very different now with all the environmental threats that we've talked about. Uh, By doing this test once a year, it's a critical part of self-care and prevention. Okay, and you've all, we've also touched on how a permeable or leaky gut can lead to just about any autoimmune disease and inflammation, and then you can follow that trajectory down toward any pathway you want, be it Alzheimer's, heart disease, whatever. So what kind of things cause our guts to be leaky? Well, mostly the gluten, you know. They, I mean, gluten is one stress. They have shown in research that when the cortisol goes very high, which I measure with, again, the heart rate variability, it's interesting that high stress levels, chronic stress, leads to gut permeability. So it's chronic stress, prescription drugs, um, any kind of over-the-growth uh, counter drug, uh, the grains, you know, gluten, and eating foods that, you know, eating a lot of inflammatory foods. But most importantly is knowing that it's a combination usually of damage to the intestines caused by, you know, antibiotics, drugs, uh, long-term stress, and then eating highly processed foods and, and all of the foods that have been exposed to toxins and pesticides. So it's usually an interaction among all of those. I also understand cell phone radiation and even riding in an airplane, and there are many things that could set or um, give us leaky gut. Even yes, one, you know, actually, one... Susan, I'm so glad you brought that up. Okay. Yeah, because uh, it turns out that I have to, the, I have studies now in my office with a physician I work with that we see people who wear a cell phone around their belt have their at their at their lysozyme elevated ten to a hundred fold after six months of wearing that cell phone on their gut belt. Yeah, and even like one Big Mac uh, meal can probably you know make your gut permeable fairly quickly. Yes, you're right. Yeah. So if we get stressed or we eat something bad, like we do upon occasion, we open our gut, is it easy to close it back up again? Yes. The great news is is that when you open the gut and you start having, you know, you're really exposing the lining to all kinds of toxins and pathogens, it is possible the first step is to avoid the foods that are the allergenic foods. So if you can go off of the... Um, any food that has been sprayed with or genetically modified. So the first thing is to eat only or, or you know, organically certified food, eliminate all gluten products, um, and also avoid the white flour, white sugar, and manage your stress and use the heart rate variability tools that I teach you 
um, to actually activate your vagus nerve system, and then you increase your neurotransmitters through that, that your body is able to, over time, you know, the average person that we see in the digestive health center, it can take it from six months to years to repair a leaky gut, but it can be repaired, and we've got the post-test to show it, that every time we retest, it's getting better, and then it's completely repaired, and they are no longer Hashimoto's. We actually had a whole group of patients who reversed their Hashimoto's thyroiditis by following our gut protocol. But if our gut can open so quickly, like an airplane ride, EMF, or a really uh, slucky meal, uh, will it take six months to close it? Or if it's fairly healthy, can we close it up fairly quickly? It depends on the person, you know. It, what we found is that it depends a lot on where the damage is coming from. Like if people have the three things you mentioned, if they fly every week and they wear their cell phone, you know, it depends a lot on, the, on their, what their health was to begin with, the overall gut health when they first uh, started to do this. So if it's a person that's done this short term and they hear about it and they reverse it and they go on the, you know, the right nutrition plan and that's why we work all, everything we do is individual because as you said, Susan, to really address the root issues, it must be customized. So I want to let the listeners know that everything we do at our clinic is customized no one size fits all. We customize all the probiotics, all the strains. We work with specific strains for the brain, depending on what's going on. For example, the lactobacillus and bifidus produce GABA, and then Escherica and Saccharomyces produce norepinephrine, and, and then we have different things. Bacillus produces dopamine, so we use different strains. So depending on what the gut test shows, it's all customized, and it's that personalized, customized medicine instead of taking a drug and just, you know, throwing the drug at the person without knowing what their root issues are, really identifying their absorption, digestion issues, and then doing a you know, a really customized program based on testing because right guess when you can test, you want to make sure that you're testing your gut before you implement a program and that it fits the specific needs of your biochemistry and also we look at now the epigenetics. So we do the 23andMe test, we look at methylation and detox factors and we look at the whole profile, the genome, what, what the person's lifestyle is, you know, their whole history, and then do the, the test and then do a highly customized protocol so that we can have really quick results. I mean, some people in three months completely reversed what they were dealing with because it is focused so much on the individual bio, bioavailable, you know, all individually um, tailored to them. In our last two minutes, Christine, can you tell folks how to get a hold of you and that information on any of these tests and information on your website, etc.? Yeah, we have a special offer just for the radio show listeners. Please go to the following website, www.digestivehealth.center. So again, it's digestive health, one word, H-E-A-L-T-H dot center, C-E-N-T-E-R. Call the phone number 650-856-3151, For United States customers, we can ship you the test kit. There is a, a um, on the home page, there's a button that says test your gut, and there's a special offer for these the radio show listeners 
that's only available to you in the next couple of weeks, but especially the next two days, if you can go to that website and click on Test My Gut at the homepage at Digestive Health Out Center. And we put the whole offer very um, customized package for you together for the listeners. For international customers, please call 650-856-3151. The best thing for you guys is to go to Digestive Health dot center website and also look at the contact us page and send us your contact information what country that you're in and then we can make sure that we're in communication by Skype and get you the right test depending on where you are in the world. Well, thank you so much for that. So, yes. uh, audience, uh, uh, I would recommend following some of this information up, doing your own research so you can help yourself and you can help others. So, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. Yeah.